Oh God, we have, we have opened our hearts to you. That is our single hope. And we go on. Ours across the grave, the skies, one day. Together at last, forever and ever. Speak to us. Yet, in this moment, alone with you and your word, we pray in Christ's name, the living one. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Have a seat, please. You have to suppose that it's a bit instructive, this business of the story of Easter that we just heard a moment ago as we began this glorious worship service. It's a bit instructive for us how that story in the particular version we read addresses, it seems, one of the great fears that is no longer our great fear. You come to any American and you say, listen, what's you, what, what are you afraid of? And Americans over the years have said, well, death and public speaking. No, it's just, it's, it's always in the, in the uh, surveys. But a survey was released this last fall from Chapman University. It's the fourth annual survey, a survey of American fears. 1,200 Americans across this land were asked the question, what makes you afraid or very afraid? Incredible. I want to read to you the top 10. I have all 48 here, but let me just read to you the top 10. Would these have been one of yours? We'll start with number 10, air pollution. Number nine, North Korea using weapons. Number eight, global warming and climate change. Number seven, the U.S. will be involved in another world war. Number six, high medical bills. Number five, not having enough money for the future. Number four, pollution of drinking water. Number three, pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes. Number two, American Health Care Act or Trump Care, either one. Number one, corrupt government officials. The top fears of America this Easter. And, and where is fear of death? It's number 48. And where is fear of public speaking? Number 52. Something's changed. This list is so significant that next Sabbath, you and I are going to spend a few moments just looking carefully at really what is being told to us. Because listen, folks, if we're going to engage America's heart, we have to address America's fears. And they aren't the old fears that we thought they were. We'll talk more about that next week. I'll explain this. Christopher Bader, the professor of sociology at Chapman University, who led the team effort, he makes this, he, he concludes this. Put it on the screen. Fascinating. We are beginning to see trends, quoting him, that people tend to fear what they are exposed to in the media. Hmm. Many of the top ten fears this year can be directly correlated to the top media stories of the past year. What was that question the girls asked on the, way to the, on the way to the tomb? Who will roll this stone away for us? Truth of the matter is, you and I, 
We may not be our fears in that top ten, but there's not a soul here that doesn't have a fear, that does not have an uncertainty, that does not have an anxiety, that is intimidated by this huge stone, whatever it may be in your life, this huge stone that is blocking your way, and you're asking the question, who's going to move this stone for me? Can anybody roll it away? Or am I destined to be pinned to this cold earth with that fear? Let's go back to that Easter story. Gospel of Mark. Open your Bible, please, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. He has a little slant to it, and you'll see the way it ends, that no other gospel writer demonstrates. Mark, chapter 16. I'm in the New King James Version today. You didn't get a... You didn't uh, bring your own Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you. We've got some of our friendly ushers also coming your way. They have study guides. It's no fill-in-the-blank study guide today. It's keep the study guide for the quotations day. And you're going you're gonna to want these quotations. All right, so this is uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, they read it to us just a moment ago, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed, needless to say. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place they laid him. Go tell his disciples and, and tell Peter that he's going before you into Galilee where there you will see him as he said to you. So, now watch this, verse 8. They went out quickly and they fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Fear. We all have them. Attitude. Fear. In the shadows of Jesus' now empty tomb, there's there's a question we we need to confront. How important, how vital is this thing, this 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 spirit, this attitude that's within us? How important is attitude? Just a few weeks ago, my friend Sherry Davis sent me an email. Friday afternoon. I'm trying to get through my emails. I'm here at the office all alone. And she says, hey, Dwight, I read something. You're going to be interested in. You're going to like it. So she sends me a link. And I shoot her an email back. Thanks so much, Sherry. Blessings on you. Bye-bye. Oh, I will read it. Don't worry about it. See ya. But then, and this happens to you. You you say, I should have read it. I'll forget. I'll just, I know I'll forget to go to the link. So I quickly go to the link. It's an article written by a young Australian woman. Her name, Britza Brunt. And in the article, she quotes Charles Swindoll. And when I read those words from Swindoll, I tell you what, something just came over me. Those words are still reverberating in in my soul. And I just have to share those words with you. You, Do you know who Charles Swindoll is? He's the, the popular American writer. He's been a pastor. He's a university chancellor. These words are in that study guide that you'll take home. You'll never forget them. I put them on the screen for you. 
Chuck Swindoll writing, This may shock you, he writes, but I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is my choice of attitude. There's that word. It is more important than my past. It is more important than my education, my successes or failures, what other people think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position. Attitude is that single string that keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my fire or assaults my hope. And then here's the keeper. Here's that last line. When my attitudes are right... There's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me, end quote. Do you like that? Attitude. We all have one. In fact, attitude pretty much comes down to this. No can do or yes can do. Now, if like me, you've grown up in a country where English is not the language and very few people knew it when I was there in Japan, you, know, you, you, you would often run into, no can do. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the only English they know. No can do. No, 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 no can do. You never hear anybody say, yes, can do. Do you? No. It, it makes you wonder, are, are we just automatically wired when we're born for no can do? I mean, why is it, why is it that we can say no just like that and yes, it's just like dragging it out of you. The nominating committee calls you up and they're at work right now. The nominating committee calls you up and you say, no, can't do. I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Why are we wired that way? No, can do. Yes, can do. Which is it? And you want to guess which way the resurrected Christ tilts the needle? I'm going to tell you in case you're struggling to figure out the answer. There is no question. The magnetic north of Holy Scripture always points its needle to yes, can, do. Come on. Twelve twelve, 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 twelve spies reconnoitering this raw pagan land called Canaan. They come back. Ten of them say, no, can, do. But two of them insist, yes, can, do. I'm telling you the truth. The magnetic north of Holy Scripture always points the needle to yes, can do. Here's another one. Lone prophet. By the way, one of the greatest prophets. Lone prophet. Against the hordes of Israel atop a mountain that is about to be nuked. A mountain called Carmel. And what does Israel say? No, can do. No, can do. No, can do. The lone prophet thunders, yes, can do. And fire comes down and incinerates that summit. Because the magnetic needle of Holy Scripture always tilts to yes, can do. And oh, by the way, the Scripture doesn't play heroes and hide all the defects. Twelve hours later, the same prophet, because he has insulted Jezebel who screams into this torrential downpour, I will kill you if it's the last thing I do. That same yes-can-do prophet in now utter fear flees with the cry, I quit, no can do. Apparently, the needle can go like this pretty fast in all of us. 
But the magnetic north of Holy Scripture always tilts the needle to yes, can do. Take the God of the universe made flesh as he's sobbing alone in a dark and treacherous garden. No can do, Abba Father. No can do, no can do. But through the dark, through the mysterious shadows, a voice comes. Oh, no, my son. Yes, can do. Yes, can do. Twelve hours later, when that same Jesus is hanging on the center cross of Calvary, the gaping, stunned universe is concluding, no can do has won. No can do has won. Not knowing that 36 more hours, and there will be such a, such a seismic shock that it goes off the Richter scale inside that sepulcher, and with blazing light, yes can do comes marching out forever the victor. Yes can do. The needle of Scripture, the needle of attitude, always, always points to yes can do. You don't believe me? Let me, let me share with you the greatest yes can do line you've ever read in your life. Here it is. Open, move from uh, Mark where you were. Go to Philippians. Find a little book of Philippians. Okay, that'll take you a few seconds. Philippians. Moving towards the end of the, uh, of the New Testament. Keep going. Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, find that chapter, short little book. Paul's in prison. Mr. Big Yes Can Do, by the way, one of the biggest yes can do's in the history of Christianity. Attitude. And he writes this. He's in prison, and he writes this. Verse 13. Put it on the screen, please. Verse 13. Let's read it out loud together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's do that one more time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There they are, those two little words, can do. Can do. Yeah, but Dwight, you said... You said that the magnetic north of Holy Scripture always points the needle to yes can do. There's no yes in that. You are really picky on an Easter weekend. I can't believe that. You want a yes? I'll give you a yes. Just turn a few pages back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Come on, two pa- just a handful of pages back. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You want the yes? Here you go. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 19, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Paul, by Silvanus, or Silas, and by Timothy. This Jesus was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Now, keep reading, verse 20, for all the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. There's the yes you wanted. Yes can do. All the promises of God, all of them are yes, in Christ. Wow. Why is that? It's because Jesus is God's all caps. Jesus is God's all caps. Yes can do creator and yes can do savior. All caps. He created the entire universe. This yes can do, this yes can do mind and being creates the entire universe. Yes can do. Creator of the universe, beloved savior of the world, yes can do. He saves the entire human race in the death that he poured out at Calvary. Yes can do. That's why the magnetic 
north of Holy Scripture always tilts the needle to yes, can do, because that's the way God is. God so loved the world. By the way, when he loved you and me, we were at our unloveliest. Write that down. Unloveliest. That's what you were. Unloveliest. And he looked at you and he looked at me and he said, hey, Gabriel, yes, can do. We can get her. We can get him. We can get him. Let's try. Yes, can do. That's why. By the way, this last week, not this week, but the week before, Christianity Today came out with this spectacular, just its very moving commemorative edition in honor of Billy Graham, the great evangelist. Billy Graham, who, by the way, was the founder of Christianity Today. That evangelical magazine exists today because he said, we need a magazine for evangelicals. So this is just chock full of stories and articles from front to back. And one of, the, one of the stories told me about how when Billy Graham ever sat down in front of a microphone, so he's going to give an interview. So he's going to check the mic. He say, Reverend Graham, can we just test, test your microphone? Oh, he's standing up in the stadium. Tonight it'll be filled. But he's standing in that empty stadium. They say, Mr. Graham, would you uh, speak into the mic? Every time he's given an opportunity in his lifetime. Do you know what he said? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son... That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And you know why he did that? Because there may be some technician somewhere. This will be the only gospel he will hear as he adjusts the gauges. For God so loved the world. Yes, can do. When he looked at you and he looked at me. Wow. But the question is, let's be honest. I mean, how do, how do we experience this, this attitude adjustment that will turn us from the usual no-can-do default because that's the, that's the way we were born. And by the way, the older you get, the more no-can-do becomes your language. Sorry. How can, we, how can we go through an attitude adjustment so that we can move from this default no-can-do to the mighty, appealing, yes-can-do attitude of God? How can it happen? I'm going to show you how, and it is so simple, you're not going to believe it. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4.13. You don't even have to go back. It goes like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, it turns out that the oldest manuscripts in Greek do not have the name of Christ. Mm-mm. And generally, the oldest manuscripts are the most accurate. So newer translations, some of you were following along in your newer translation, newer translations render it this way. In fact, let me just show you. Uh, David Bentley Hart, he uh, is down here at Notre Dame, but he came out with Yale Press, uh, a new translation of the New Testament. Terribly wooden, but extremely engaging. It's just called the New Testament. This is how he renders. We'll put it on the screen. I have strength for all things in him. He's American Orthodox. He is an expert at Greek. Okay? I have strength for all things in him who gives me the power. So who's this him that, that Paul is referring to? Well, it's really not a, a, a huge discovery. If you just look behind verse 13 and then look twice in front after verse 13, it's, it's Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, three times, Christ Jesus. So you can make, it's a no-brainer case. He's talking about Christ Jesus. However... If the antecedent still remains uncertain, you could just as well say that the antecedent to him is the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, you can't not, Dwight. Yes, you can. Let me show you. You still here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1? Look at verse 20. We just read that, but we'll go beyond. Verse 20, for all the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, keep reading. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Keep reading. Who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The gift of the Holy Spirit, did you catch that? Is the divine guarantee that all God's promises are a mighty yes and almighty yes in Christ Jesus. That's it right there. So that Philippians 4.13 could actually read this way. Let's read this one out loud together. It could actually read this way. I can do all things through the Holy Spirit who strengthens me. Speaking of which, the other day, our twice-retired dear Pastor Don, Don Dronan, was having early morning worship, and he sent me a quotation he came across. This is so dynamite. I have to share it with you right now. Put it. It's in your study guide. You'll take it home. But put it on the screen, please. I beseech you, she writes, to seek now for the greatest blessing heaven can bestow, the Holy Spirit. If in faith you seek for a greater measure of God's Spirit, you will be constantly taking it in and breathing it out, in and out. Daily, there's that word we came to know. Daily, you will receive a fresh supply. Your everyday experience will be enriched by the rich current of God's love. Before you lie vast fields. So she's saying, look, look, in front of you, so you're on a journey, and in front of you are these vast fields. Before you are these vast fields fields of truth. Now, keep going. Before you are these vast sources of power. When that Holy Spirit comes into you, when He takes up residence every day, vast sources of power. Now, she says, let let, let the daily prayer be, and she's quoting David now, Dear Lord, I, I, whatever you, you, you may take from me whatever you wish. No kidding. You may take from me whatever you wish, but what I'm asking you is, please do not take the Holy Spirit from me. And then her last line, we must have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hey, come on. Time out, time out. Let me just ask you this. Wouldn't you love to be daily inspired with the omnipotence of God, this yes-can-do attitude every day through the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't you love to have that? Wouldn't you like to be daily ignited by the Holy Spirit, so that you face your day no matter what is going on in your life right now, what, what is happening on this campus, what is happening in your career, it doesn't matter, but you face the day now with this yes-can-do attitude that only the Spirit of Christ can bring to you. Wouldn't that be something? Every single day, I can do all things to the Holy Spirit who strengthens me. What a powerful case for the daily baptism of the Spirit. I mean, just ask Him every day. Just ask Him. You know, you can say, uh, Dear God, would you give me the mind of Christ? Wait a minute. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in. How's it go? Also in Christ Jesus. But look at this. In the New American Standard Bible, put put it on the screen, please. New American Standard, how's it read? Have this attitude, there it is, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What attitude? The yes-can-do attitude. Have that attitude in yourselves. Who better to bring the yes-can-do attitude to us, the attitude of Jesus, than the Holy Spirit himself? You say, yeah, but Dwight, come on, come on. I mean, what are all these things? I can do all things. What are these all, what, what are all these things? Well, that's not rocket science either. All these things would be simply 
Whatever God wants us to experience, whatever God wants us to achieve. Higher than the highest human thought, that's what I want for you. I want the very best for you. Whatever he asks, whatever he wants, whatever he wishes, yes can do. You know why you can say yes can do to whatever God asks of you? You can say yes can do simply because when God asks me to do something, he empowers me to do that something. Whatever he asks you to do, he'll empower you to do. There's a line somewhere. Where is it found? I have no idea. All his biddings are enablings. If he says, hey, 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 I'm going to ask you to do this. If you say, yes, can do, he says, I got the power for you. It's omnipotent, by the way. You can have it all. Wow. That's why Romans 8.28, by the way, some of you are going through a really tough time right now. I know. Tough. It hasn't been any worse than this. It hasn't been any worse than this. But that's why Romans 8.28 whispers to you, we know that all things, all things work together for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Everything. Hey, 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 hey. Stop, stop. It does not read. Some people think it does. It does not read. All things are good. It does not declare all things good. All things are not good. All things, some things are evil. And what has happened to you is from the hand of an enemy who seeks only your death. He seeks only your death. But as the translation reads, but we know that God causes all things to work for good to those who trust Him, who love Him. He can take anything. Look, He can take anything and turn it into the greatest win you will ever experience. That's how He did it. He took the worst of the worst and turned it into the best of the best. Trust me, he says. Trust me. Yes can do. I want to hear yes can do from you. Don't tell me no can do. That's why Jesus in the garden kept saying, no can do. Father, no can do. Abba, Abba, no can do. But finally, third prayer, God sweeps over him. Yes, oh, yes, you can. And then he says, okay, yes can do. Your will. Now what I want, what you want. And God will win through you just like he won through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, can do. Ah, I'm going I'm to share a st- secret with you and tell you a story and then sit down. Share a secret that you may not have known before and then tell you a story. There's one quotation, by the way, that sets us up, that has can do written all over it. I, I, I couldn't come to the end without sending this quotation home with you. So I'm putting it on the screen. It's from that classic Christ Object Lessons. You're going to love it. This is your keeper. You need not go to the ends of the earth for wisdom, for God is near you. It is not the capabilities you now possess or ever will have that will give you success. No, 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 no. It's not what you have. It is that which the Lord can do. I put them in all caps for you. It's what the Lord can do for you. We need to have far less confidence in one man. That would be me. What I can do and far more confidence in what God can do for every soul, every believing soul, every soul that trusts him. And now here come three, three he longs. He longs to have you reach after him by faith. He 
He's standing by you right now. Whatever it is you're going through and it seems like there is a massive stone in front of you and you're not going to get past this stone to eternity. He longs for you to know. He longs to have you reach after him by faith. Here comes number two. He longs to have you expect great things from him. Don't sell him short. Ask for the biggest gift you have ever asked for in your life. Whatever the stone is that is in front of you right now, is it divorce? Is it your health? Is it your finances? It doesn't matter. Ask him to move the stone. Just ask him. Just ask him. He longs to have you expect great things from him. He longs to give you understanding in temporal as well as in spiritual matters. And then here's a line for our university community like ours. He can sharpen the intellect. You got four weeks left, but I'd be claiming that all through the next four weeks. It's just my counsel, humble as it is. He can sharpen the intellect. He can give tact and skill, put your talents into the work and ask God for wisdom and it will be given you. Yes, can do. He can do it. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through the Holy Spirit who strengthens me. Yep, that's the truth today. Go home with it. You'll never have an Easter like this. Go home with it. Your life will be changed. Ask for an attitude adjustment. Move from your no can do to your yes can do. You'll be fine. Because let me tell you a secret. You didn't know this, but I'm going to pass this on to you. People really love hanging with, living with, working with, schooling with positive attitude others. They are the most popular people on this campus. In that ad building, they're the most popular people. Because when you're a yes-can-do leader, when you have confidence, people just line up right behind you. When you're a yes-can-do follower, you line right up behind a yes-can-do leader because it always takes one to draw out the other. You, when you hang with someone who has a yes-can-do attitude, I mean, aren't they a joy to be around? Come on, let's be honest. Aren't they a joy to be around? I just love being around them. Why? Because they lift my confidence. They lift my hope. They give me faith. They give me courage. I feel like we can make this thing. This isn't the end. Time of trouble going on. This isn't the end. Yes, can do. When a leader demonstrates yes, can do, and a follower demonstrates yes, can do, you got a winning combination. And there is nothing you can't go through with a almighty, omnipotent God of the universe steps in for you. Don't tell him how to do it. Ask him to do it. Just ask him to do it. That's a little secret. If you'll be the yes-can-do person in your little circle where you live, in your dormitory, in your office, you're the yes-can-do person, everybody will love being around the water cooler with you. Why? Because you are positive. Yes-can-do. I can do all things. Through Christ, through the Holy Spirit who strengthens me. All right, here's that story. Karen and I, through the kindness of a friend, have been reading Max Lucado's book, God Will Carry You Through. In this book is the story of little Cooper and his mother and father. Let me read the story to you. Melanie Jasper says her son Cooper, I like that name, was born with a smile on his face. The dimple never left his cheek. He won the hearts of every person he knew, his three older sisters, his parents, his grandparents, teachers, and friends. He loved to laugh and love. His father, J.J., confessing partiality, calls him practically the perfect child. And Cooper was born to the perfect family. 
farm-dwelling, fun-loving, God-seeking, and Christ-hungry. J.J. and Melanie poured out their hearts for their, into their four children. J.J. cherished every moment he had with his only son. That's why they were riding in the dune buggy on, Ju- on July 17. They intended to cut the grass together, but the lawnmower needed a spark plug. And so while Melanie drove to town to buy one, J.J. and five-year-old Cooper seized the opportunity for a quick ride. You want to go with Daddy? Let's go. They had done this a thousand times, zipping down a dirt road in a roll-caged cart. The ride was nothing new, but the flip was. On a completely level road with Cooper safely buckled in, J.J. made a circle and the buggy rolled over. Cooper was unresponsive. J.J. called 911, then Melanie. There's been an accident, he told her. I don't think Cooper's going to make it. The next hours were every parent's worst nightmare. Ambulance, ER, sobs and shock. And finally the news, Cooper had died. J.J. and Melanie found themselves doing the unthinkable, selecting a casket, planning a funeral, and envisioning life without their only son. In the coming days, they fell into a mind-numbing rhythm. Every morning upon awakening, they held each other and sobbed uncontrollably. And gathering enough courage to climb out of bed, they would go downstairs to the family and friends who awaited them. They would soldier through the day until bedtime. Then they would go to bed, hold each other, and cry themselves to sleep. Some of you have been there. J.J. told me, there is no class or book on this planet that can prepare you to have your five-year-old son die in your arms. We know what the bottom looks like, the bottom. We pass much of life, if not most of life, at mid-altitude. Occasionally, we summit a peak, our graduation, our wedding, a promotion, the birth of a child, but most of life is lived at mid-level, Monday-ish obligations of term papers and carpools and expense reports and recipes, but on occasion, the world bottoms out. The dune buggy flips, the housing market crashes, the test results come back positive, and before we know it, we discover what the bottom looks like. Today, J.J.'s hurts are still deep, but his faith is deeper still. Attitude. Attitude. Whenever he tells the story of losing Cooper, he says this, we know what the bottom looks like, and we know who is waiting there. Jesus Christ. Yes, can do. Amen. Yeah. Yes, can do. Pull out your Connect card, please, before we hurry out of here to Easter dinner. Pull out your Connect card. Pastor Ben just talked to us about it a moment ago. Guess, glad, always glad to have you. Front of the card, you put what you want. Turn the card over my next step today. And on the next step side, Box number one, I want to live with an attitude. These ushers are all moving to help pick up these cards. I want to live with an attitude, the attitude of Jesus, yes, can, do, spirit. Is there anybody that says, nah, I don't want to live with that attitude? Of course not. Join me, please. Put a check mark there. I want to live with the attitude of Jesus, his yes, can, do, spirit. Box number two, I want to participate in the day of prayer and fasting if you choose. Next Friday, this coming weekend, 7 p.m. on Friday to Sabbath, 7 p.m. We're calling it Against the Strongholds. Put a little uh, graphic on the screen for you. It's in the bulletin as well. Against the Strongholds. What's it about? Come on, we're living on a planet that's running out of time. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Wait till we talk about that survey next week. The, the country's a mess. 
Nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows what to do. What's the point? The point is Jesus is getting ready to come. That's the point. We need to go against the strongholds. It's based on this uh, text, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of this world, but have divine power to demolish strongholds. Ladies and gentlemen, come on, brothers and sisters, it's time for us to come against, to come against these strongholds. What are the strongholds? Well, you got, uh, you got the secular West. You got a world locked in the darkness of no God, no Christ. You got Japan, 127 million people, secular to the core, atheist. What if we prayed for Japan? What if we prayed for the secular West? The cabinet this Monday looked at this day of prayer and fasting coming up, and the cabinet said, why don't you add racism to the list? There's some strongholds that only the light of Christ can, can penetrate. It just takes people praying. God, could you please do something? Whatever the stronghold is, some of you have a private stronghold in your life. The good news is, you know what? 24 hours of prayer may not be such a bad idea for that stronghold you've been wrestling with for quite some time. Why don't you come against it with everything you have? Prayer is the greatest divine weapon that can demolish strongholds. So, come on, 7 o'clock Friday evening in the youth chapel. That youth chapel will be open for 24 hours. Now, I want you to go to a website if you wish. It's a really cool website. First, you've got to go to our website. So you see it up on the screen, pmchurch.org slash prayer. You go there. You'll see a little piece on Against the Strongholds, and it'll say, you want to sign up? Click sign up, and it'll take you to this cool website. And you can, you can pick the hour. Uh, Any time during the 24 hours, pick an hour or two or three or whatever. Pick an hour. I'm going to pray in that hour. Come to the youth chapel. I've got my name. Don't worry about how many times I put mine there. But I just want to hang around people that believe that we can, we can come up against the strongholds with the power of Christ. I just want to be around people like that who pray. Come join us. You're in the dormitory. We already got the dean's permission. You come on over. All through the night, right over here in the youth chapel, we're going to pray. Be a different kind of service we're having next Sabbath right here, by the way, too. So come. Against the strongholds. If you, if you can't negotiate something electronic, the third box is, please sign me up, Dwight. Come on. Sign me up. So you put the hours you want. We'll put your name in. Just make sure we can read your name. Leave an email address. And by the way, those of you watching on live streaming right now, wherever on earth you're watching, we're sure glad to have you. And you can join us. Come on Friday. Come on, this coming Friday from 7 o'clock. Your time zone. Do it your time zone. From 7 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Join us. We'll join together in prayer. There'll be nothing like it. It's time. We're running out of time. It's time for God's people to, to come against the strongholds. You see these signs all over this campus. <laughs> Remind, every time you pass one of those signs, would you just send up a prayer, please? Just send up a prayer. 